Welcome to the People's Church Sermoncast. You can join us for our live worship services on Sundays at 10 a.m. People's Church is located at the corner of Mill Plain and Andreessen in Vancouver, Washington. Please visit our website at peoplesvancouver.church to learn more about our community and how you can get involved. And now for this week's sermon. You're listening to the sermon cast from People's Church of Vancouver, Washington. You're invited to join us on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. We're located at 6801 East Mill Plain Boulevard in Vancouver, Washington. For more information, visit us at peopleschurchvancouver.org. Now for this week's sermon. A man from Texas, with a, apologies to my Texan here, I could have said a Florida man, but let's face it, Florida man is not really Florida man, he's from Georgia, he just, for some reason he wants to go down into Florida. He, he wants to go down there and make us look bad. A man from Texas was asked once, what do you believe? By a reporter. And he told the reporter, I believe what my church believes. The reporter kind of chuckles and says, well, well sir, then what does your church believe? The man thought about it for a second. My church believes what I believe. Now the reporter was kind of irritated at this point and says, well, well, sir, then can you tell me, what do you and your church believe? And the man looks at him a little dumbfounded and says, well, the same thing. Now that doesn't necessarily tie into my message, uh, but if you squint and look, it can. Um, I asked Grace to, to put in, uh, let my words be few, because that's, kind of the focal point, focal verse that that comes from uh, in Ecclesiastes. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Better to draw near in obedience than to offer sacrifice as fools do, for they ignorantly do wrong. Do not be hasty to speak. Do not be impulsive to make a speech before God. God is in heaven, and you are on earth, so let your words be few. Now, I thought about it for a little bit, tried to come up with a, a good title, I thought about how I talked to people, how we spent the first couple of years with our kids, trying to teach them to walk and talk, and most of the rest of their childhood, and sometimes into their young adulthood, sit down, hush. So I thought about that, but but that didn't, you know, that didn't really, yeah. You know. And I thought about a few other things. I decided, Selah. It's a word you might have seen in Habakkuk, or more likely in Psalms. They're not 100% certain what it means, but they think it means pause and consider. And I, um, Vernon's read it, Dan's read it, he's not here this morning. Uh, Crazy Love by, by Pastor Francis Chan, kind of part of what he, he spoke about in, in the first parts of his book, kind of influenced where I'm going with this. Um, make this a little bigger so I can read. There are multiple times in our lives as Christians where we need to take the advice to to sit back, pause, and consider. There's probably way more than the three I'm doing. I was really only going for one. And then it, you know, I said, well, if I'm doing that one, I can do this one. I had a topic I wasn't going to touch. And then it kind of jumped out in, as a third pause and consider. The first Selah is when we worship. In our worship, you know, a lot of times we worship and that draws us to consider God and think. But at the same time, all we need to do is look around us to see I've got a few shots here that are from uh, from the Hubble telescope. This one, I don't remember the name of them. 
But uh, if you think about it, these are things that we've only been able to see in the past 20, 30, 40 years since we really started to study this cosmos. These didn't just come into being in the past 100 years. They've always been there. But for thousands of years, nobody could see them, but God put them out there. Why? Show off a little bit. Show his power. To show us how small we are. Now, obviously, we've, you know, we've been to Mars. We've got a little bit of footage. I've been playing a video game called Elite Dangerous, and they, uh, it takes place in our solar system, and they've used what we know about our planets and stuff to kind of theorize what other planets could look like and what kind of things we'd see based on what we know of stars. And these next couple of pictures are actually clips out of that game. But, again, these are things that very likely do exist out, views that exist somewhere in the universe that no one's ever going to see but God and the angels. You know, we don't see stuff like that. A few other little facts I found. A caterpillar has 228 separate and distinct muscles in his head. It's a lot of muscles for a bug. The average elm tree has about 6 million leaves on it. Your heart generates enough pressure that it could pump blood 30 feet away. I don't recommend you try to do that. That's kind of... And there are 350 billion galaxies in the universe. That's a conservative estimate of how many galaxies are out there, much less. Everything I showed was from our galaxy. All that's to say... We need to stop and think sometimes before we worship just what's going on. Uh, Francis Chan, in his book, Crazy Love, wrote, This is why we're called to worship him. His art, his handiwork, and his creation all echo the truth that he is glorious. There's no other one like him. He's the king of kings, the beginning and the end. The one who was and is and is to come. I know you've heard it before probably, but don't miss it. You think about all that, and how can you not? Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee, how great thou art. How great thou art is where I actually started formulating this. The um, author of, Le- or the, the composer, um, Hein, he started out ro- hiking in the Carpathians Mountains in Russia area. He was an itinerant preacher. He was going through. On his way... He was preaching, and a thunderstorm crashed up. Now, I get being from the south, I see thunderstorms, I get excited, and then we get a little flash. So that's the kind of environment that Stuart Hines wrote the first verse. Oh, Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the world's hands I've made. The second verse, which we didn't do today, is this one. When th- he was, as he was walking through the wooded areas of the mountains. When through the woods and forest glades I wander and hear the birds sing sweetly in the trees. This is something as Northwesterners we can, uh, uh, you know, can, can relate to. When I look down from lofty mountain grandeur and see the brook and feel the gentle breeze. The third verse, and when I think that God is son not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can take it in. As he was walking through the Carpathian Mountains, he comes upon this house. And in this house, they had had, from about 15 years earlier, a Bible that was left behind by a Russian soldier as they were fleeing the area. A woman, the wife, the wife of the, the house, was teaching herself to read. And as she would learn to read, she'd start reading the Bible to the family. 
And as he approached their house and he reached their house to, to talk to them about God, that's when she got to the portion of the scripture where it was talking about the cross and about the sacrifice. And that's what made him think about that. It was 14 years later before he wrote the fourth, fourth verse, when Christ shall come with shouts of acclamation and take me home, I scarce can take it in. He wrote that because what greater comfort is there for people suffering? But the thing that I've always loved that I came to realize, not always loved, that I came to realize a few years ago about how great thou art and why I, that's, you know, before I praise, before I worship, I look and see what's around me. I see what you've done. I see what you did. I know what you're going to do. That, when I stop and think about it, leads me into worship. So, that's where the first pause and consider. Pause and consider. That's not to say that just spontaneous worship's not great. That is great. Just like the next part's going to be the same situation. The second Selah is in prayer, our prayer time. Now, there's a couple of different things here on this one. Uh, Francis Chan, his first chapter of Crazy Love is called Stop Praying. And I saw that and I almost stopped reading. But then I said, you know, I've listened to his Ch- Ch- Francis Chan. I know what he's, you know, he's, he's got a good head on his shoulder. He's not really saying don't pray. But what he is saying is we've got two instances in Scripture. In Isaiah 6.1, where Isaiah wrote, and I don't have it for the screen. In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord seated high on a th- in lofty throne. And his robe filled the temple. Seraphim were standing above him. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. With two he flew. And one called to another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. His glory fills the whole earth. The foundations of the doorway shook at the sound of their voices. And the temple was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe woe to me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and live among a people of unclean lips. And because my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And the second one that that was referenced is uh, in Revelation. And this one's even more. After this I looked, and there in heaven was an open door. The first voice that I heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and a throne was set there in heaven. One was seated on the throne, and the one seated looked like a jasper and carnelian stone. A rainbow that looked like an emerald surrounded the throne. Around that throne were 24 thrones. And on those 24 thrones sat 24 elders dressed in white clothes with gold crowns on their heads. Flashes of lightning and rumblings of thunder came from the throne. Seven fiery torches were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Something like a sea of glass, similar to crystal, was also before the throne. Four living creatures covered with eyes in front and back were in the middle and around the throne. The first living creature was like a lion, the second like a calf. The third had a face like a man, and the fourth was flying like an eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings. They were covered with eyes around and inside. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy Lord, God, the Almighty who was and is and who is coming. Now, when we pray... That's the environment we're going to. That's not to say, you know, God loves the the 911 run-in, Daddy, help, prayers. We've got that as sons and daughters of God. We have that right and that privilege. But all too often, we run in there and we don't think about where we're at. 
And beyond pausing and considering just that part, how many of our prayers are for things that God's already taken care of before? If we just stopped and thought about how he's done in the past, how would that revelationize our current prayer life? You know, God help me, I don't have enough. Well, I, you didn't last week either, and I took care of you then, and I got you this time. Too often we get a little dis- sidetracked and distracted by life. Now, I'm running a lot faster than I thought I was because as I've discovered editing our sermons, what you think is about 10 minutes worth of points and information actually ends up being about five minutes. <laughs> I, I edit, I edit the, the, the sermons and I'm like, ah, I'm almost at the end. Oh, I'm only seven minutes in. Okay. All right. And then, you know, then there's the, the, the third Selah, our witness. And this is one that initially I was wanting to go this way, and then I started thinking, eh, that might end up stepping on some people's toes. It might make some people uncomfortable. And then I thought, well, you're kind of supposed to. And as I'm, and as, and as I'm doing this, the fact that it sits into pause and consider, say a lot, take a break, think, stop and think. And this is something that's become more and more apparent as social media has taken over. I believe several years ago, Michael W. Smith wrote a song. It's called Wired for Sound. At the time he wrote it, he was talking about how media becomes a loud noise that distracts. And this portion of the, the song, word of mouth is counselor. There's no need for proof in a world that's wired for sound. How many times have people posted things on Facebook and it's like, yeah, that's not even true. The wisdom of the sacred page is turned and ignored in a world wired for sound. Now, when he wrote this, he was talking about the world drowning out the word. But anymore, we're the ones getting in the way. We don't pause and consider where somebody's coming from when they want to support something that we disagree with. Or we may agree with their, the emotional side of it, but there's something behind it that you know, we want to get upset about. You know, case in point, the mask thing. People got so worked over the masks, and I can understand where the people that got worked over it come from. It's, you know, it's, you know, a slope that we should be cautious on. But at the same time, if I'm out here saying, I'm not wearing a mask, God will take care of me. Well, how's the person that doesn't know God going to feel when they see you taking that attitude when they're scared, they're worried, but you don't, you know, it's like, you know, Christ said, think of yourself or think of others higher than yourself. You know, yeah, I've been having to wear the mask longer than a lot because my, my employer start, was one of the first ones to start making us wear them. Thankfully, I'm hoping when I come back from vacation that'll be over because it's getting hard to talk to people. The other one was with the uh, the racial injustice stuff. We get so hung up on what we're worried about, about what's behind the thing, we don't stop to think, why is that individual worried about it? We get in the way because we focus on the wrong things. We don't stop and consider how God would do things. Pastor brought up last week the centurion, the Roman centurion who sent for Christ, come heal my servant. I know you're a great man. I know you have authority. You can just say from where you're at and he'll be healed. And he was. That Roman centurion wasn't run over by Barabbas. It's not Jesus' words 
that reached him first. It was Jesus' actions that reached him first. We have a tendency to want to get angry real quick. And we sometimes will try to, 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 to defend it with, it's a righteous anger. Even if it is a, a, a justified anger, the Bible never says anything more than, don't go to sleep angry. God has the right to have righteous indignation and righteous anger. We're not supposed to come from that footing. We come from a love. Love is what our weapon is. Love is where we're supposed to come from. Good word, Mike. In um, Romans 12, 9, Paul writes, Love must be without hypocrisy. Detest evil. Cling to what is good. Show family affection to one another and brotherly love. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lack diligence. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in affliction. Be persistent in prayer. Share with the saints in their needs. Pursue hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. I'll stop there right there for for a minute. One of the things that that the church in America has been getting up, up in arms about is how the culture is turning against us. And you know, that's really not what should worry us. What we should really be worried about is that culture embraced us in the first place. Because God told us, you're going to be persecuted, you're going to be hated. You're going to have trouble, you're going to have trials. That we were ever socially acceptable at all should be what concerns us. That's not what we need to pursue. We need to pursue God. Weep with the, uh, rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Be in agreement with one another. Do not be proud. Instead, associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Thankfully, I'm not wise. Usually, I've been called wise, but there's other words that go along with it. Um, <laughs> do not repay anyone evil for evil. That's one we struggle with also. We see do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Well, they did it to me. Well, that's not what they're saying. You know, no, you, know, you do what you want them to do to you, not what they did to you. Try to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. Everyone's eyes. Not just the people you agree with. You can disagree with somebody and still get along with them. Be kind and gracious to them. I had a, uh, a co-worker whose brother was coming to work for the, the store and being a fairly progressive employer I have. They were asking me questions about certain sinful things. And I would not directly address the individual sin in question. Because if the person doesn't know God, if they aren't saved, if they're not in Christ, what they're doing doesn't matter. The first and foremost thing we got to worry about is getting a relationship with them so we can introduce them to Christ so he can deal with that kind of thing. If possible, on your part, live at peace with everyone. That was the, 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 the highlighted verse in that passage, even though I you know, randomly ran off on some other ones. When it's in your control, be at peace with everyone. That means if someone disagrees with you and you think somebody's idea is stupid, okay, pause and consider before you say, well, you're an idiot. Yeah. Unless, of course... What they're, they're, they're talking about is driving their car Thelma and Louise style off the road, off a cliff. Then you might want to be a little less 
You know, that, that, that's, you know, that's life-saving, not peacekeeping. We're called to be peacekeepers. Um, another book that kind of went into this um, on Way Up M. And their mid-morning DJ, Brant Hansen, Dan Persons posted a few things from him in the recent weeks, months. I've posted a few things from him. He's, a, he's an interesting character. He wrote a book called Unoffendable. And that's part of where this, this angle came in from. And the anger issue. We're called to be unoffendable. We take offense if somebody's sitting in our seat. Not necessarily in this church, but in some churches. Although Evie has gotten mad at me for sitting in her seat before. (laughs) She's too far away. She can't get to me at the moment. We're a culture that relies on technology over community. A society in which spoken and written words are cheap and easy to come by and excessive. Culture says anything goes. Fear of God is almost unheard of. We're slow to listen, quick to speak, and quick to become angry. And the scary thing is, is he isn't talking about the world there. He's talking about us. He's talking about the church in this book. It's a very good book, but a very hard read. Vernon can verify that. And then from Rome, I think I already, yeah. No. Friends, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for his wrath, for his written, vengeance belongs to me. I will repay, says the Lord. I've got a, uh, an older song from a group called White Heart. Sorry, Phil, it's not one of their rocky ones. It's one of their ballads. Um, that I struggled. I had a few songs that, that came to mind because having grown up and listening to music and being the music guy for my youth group, I always had a song. Amazingly enough, it's not Rich Mullins. Um, <laughs> the song's called Let Your First Thought Be Love, and I think it encapsulates quite well where I'm going with this third point. There was a, there's another song from a ways back that also I, I, yeah, I thought about uh, from the group Sawyer Brown called They Don't Understand. And rather, I'm not going to, a mother riding on a city bus, killer, kids are yelling, kicking up a fuss, everybody's staring, not knowing what she's going through. Somebody said, don't you even care? Do you let them do that everywhere? Uh, anybody ever had an experience like that? You see the kids running rampant and that's your first thought? She slowly turned around and looked up and stared. She said, please forgive them. They've been up all night. Their father struggled, but he finally lost his fight. He went to heaven in the middle of the night, so please forgive my children. A man driving on the interstate, slowing down traffic, making everybody late. Everybody staring, not knowing what he's going through. Somebody hollered from the passing lane, hey, ain't got all day. The old man looked around, caught his eye, said, please forgive me. You know, it's been a long life. My, my wife has passed away and my kids don't have the time. I've been left all alone. It's getting hard to drive. We don't know what is influencing somebody to do things that might upset us, that might hurt us, that might not make sense, that might seem wrong to us. A lot of us, as pastor likes to say, we're church boys and girls. We grew up in church. In some ways, that's good. In some ways, that makes it hard for us to recognize and understand people who aren't coming from that point. That's one of the things they're not here this morning that I love about Lisa and Carl is you know he's had the rough, rough, rough run. And he is one of the greatest examples of, of reaching out and loving. It's like somebody has a problem. The first thing I see Grace post is, Carl and Lisa are on it. And the church is filled with people like that. They're just not here, so I'm picking on them. (laughs) Before you do, think. 
Sometimes worship, just worship, and let that bring you into consideration. But sometimes you're driving down the road and you see, a, you know, it's like, let that lead you into worship. Don't just blow off that. You know, you see a caterpillar. Think about 200 and some uh, muscles in its little head. And how, I mean, the detail that God puts in this world should be enough. And don't forget, when we worship and when we pray, what John told us and what Isaiah told us about what the throne room looks like, because that's where we're at when we're praising, worshiping, and praying. We're in that awesome, unspeakable, terrifying, but yet we're invited because of who we are. But don't forget what that actually means. When you consider all of that, that should infuse your prayer and your worship and your interaction with others with thoughtful purpose. Vernon, would you like to come pray? Let him pray. (laughs) Heavenly Father, we thank you today, Lord. um, Help us to return to a sense of uh, great awe and a sense of uh, what miracles uh, life is and uh, the thankfulness that comes with that, Lord. So many things... uh, just pass by our hearts, pass by our minds, pass by our eyes, and uh, um, we just don't give it a second glance, Lord. But uh, what a fantastic world that you've uh, given us to uh, tend to, Lord. And help us to tend to our hearts and tend to our minds and and tend to others, Lord God. Give us a, a shield that helps us to see you clearly. And when we see you, Lord, you give us comfort and we can... Sila and rest. So help us to find peace and help us to find a center place that will allow us to look past any offense that uh, uh, or any annoyance, any distraction, Lord God, and just to see your peaceful face, Lord. We give you glory today and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.